You know, obviously there's the coaching search that's going on now here at SC. Just curious as to like anything you've heard or your just general thoughts on some of the candidates. The story should get passed on in lore <laughs> okay. every player that plays at USC in my opinion. You've even told me before. It's like if you're good in college, your coach is probably gonna be gone. If you're bad in college, your coach is gonna <laughs> be gonna, gone. Yeah. My only goal in life is to seek and uncover the humanity in sports around the globe. It'll be like a thirty minute window, like guys are throwing chairs. You know, water bottles are spraying everywhere, like dudes are fighting. An insane amount of current coaches, former coaches, up-and-coming coaches all want this job. Yeah, man, I want to I unearth some shit. Yeah. Like, I want to find out, what are you about? Jesus feels it run inside the 10, down to the 5. The Harvard sideline, he's across the 30 to the 40. He's able to fend off the defender and bring in the game's first touchdown. Yeah, so what is that podcast called? It's called, like, Momentum. All right, Yogi Roth. First of all, thank you so much for coming on, brother. Really appreciate it, man. Yogi. Come on, man. Anything yeah. for you, Mo. Come on, brother. Appreciate it. You uh, you came by and spoke to the team earlier as well. Really appreciate that. And we've been texting ever since. Um, you're definitely a guy that, uh, I mean, I've been tracking since a quarterback uh, as a young kid with the League 11 and all that. I think every young quarterback knows who you are um, just with that production and everything you do for the Pac-12, so... Appreciate you with, with all of that. Yeah. So, like, all right, what do you guys call this? Like, <laughs> um, okay, like, which which part? The podcast what, or the well, truck? No, I know the podcast, but like, you said you were gonna take this truck and like take it to where I live. I'm like, yeah. how is this thing gonna drive <laughs> anywhere, man? Like, what? This That's is the funny. fastest operating podcast truck. In <laughs> I'm the glad United you said States. that. So uh, we kind of this feud a little bit with the busing with the boys guys. Um, that's like Taylor Lewan and uh, Will Compton over in Nashville. So they have it, their podcast in a truck in Tennessee. And um, basically, I, I run this nonprofit, Second Spoon. I don't know if you're familiar I'm with very it. Familiar with it. Yeah. So we, we work a lot with uh, surplus foods and giving that out to the homeless. And so we kind of decided, why not? We'll just do the podcast in here, make it a little vibe. Got the couch and the chairs, and just hang with the boys. Two birds, one stone. Yeah. Um, but funny you mentioned that. So Sunday, we're actually going to be doing another distribution run um, after the Oregon State game because that's a zero waste game. And um, so we're going to be taking all the Coliseum food and then going with the teammates the day after the game. And will you drive this? Yeah, we'll, we'll drive this. Wow. Um, the transformation is interesting. We'll just like take away all the cameras, obviously, the mics and, and just head out. Okay, so uh, I'm not the producer of this show. Yeah. You have that here. <laughs> but um, I'm going to ask you, to, to, I want episode two because you have to come to my house. My, my six-year-old has to see this. Of course, like dude. He's pissed. <laughs> he is not seeing this right now. We talk van life. That's like no a way. staple in our house. This is like way different than like the van life traditionally mm -hmm. as Brad, you know, like SoCal van life, bro. Style. What's the van life? I actually don't know about it's that. It's like you just get in a van and you go cool places and you might get on a board and surf. Yeah. You might it's like an old board. VW. Okay. Yeah. You know, you camp, camp in it, kick open the back door. Like, oh, you could for sure live out of here. You comfortably. Yeah. I've been locked out of my apartment before and I had to sleep on this couch. So wow. <laughs> that's uh, good for you. I'm sure there's a lot of stories in here. Yeah. No, but for good sure. For you, man. I, uh, I've known your story for a long time. Uh, I was so sad when you got hurt in the spring game because we had all of that stuff. I was ready to go on you, man. Talk about your nonprofit. And that's Appreciate kind of the it. insight into television. Like somebody gets hurt and like 
you got to move on in the storylines. Yeah. Uh, but if I admired it from afar, obviously we connected whenever I've come in and talked to the team. Uh, and when I saw this, I saw it pop up as an OG fan of it. I was like, brilliant. <laughs> what an idea. And now to have Brad, who, Brad, you know I love you. I've met you. I love you too. I remember you won. at 16, <laughs> Northern California at the Niners facility. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you and Wilton Spate dealing. Yeah, lit it up. Um, we talked about The Alchemist. Yeah. I mean, I still have all my notes from you in high school. So you knew, so you knew I loved reading and, you know, narrative stuff way before everyone else did. I knew you were a thinker. <laughs> right. I don't think I knew narrative. Mm-hmm. You were going to be a script writer. You had this other, like when we connected, a, probably what, a year ago mm-hmm. when you came out here. Yeah. Um, and I, and thank you for helping us out on the yeah. book that Joey and I are doing. Um, How's that coming, by the way? It's cool. Like season's uh-huh. hard. Right. But we if we ended it now we could we could be done with the book but we're like there's like 15 more people we want to get okay you know to right. really uh finish the loop on it but i'm not surprised that you're doing what you're doing thank you yeah thank super you. thoughtful always been like in elite 11 like you have like your guys that you mm-hmm. track you can't track everybody yeah right you've definitely been oh, a guy, I appreciate man. It. yeah totally bro appreciate yeah, it. i didn't know that about brad until well we did the podcast with him and he moved in with us but like some guys are like 90% football and it's like 10% outside like personality. Like Brad is like, he obviously is a really great way. football player. <laughs> yes. No, no, Brad is an amazing football player. Like I grew up watching him play for the Hurricanes. I'm from Miami, but like that's not what gets him going. Like his passion wasn't is necessarily all football. Like there's just so much more to him. I think that's kind of what you were trying to uncover with your, your podcast and your media endeavors, you know, like the other side to athletes. Um, you know, like what you call like the soul of, of the player himself because uncovering the helmet, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the, the term in marketing is like, what's your positioning statement? And like I do media training for you guys. Yeah. That's like 1.0 media training, right? The next day, step would be like, all right, let's really dive into a, a plan, right? Of like, what do you want to be? How do you want to talk? How do you want to communicate it? Well, I went through that plan for about two years with a guy named Jeremy Darlow, who you should have on this podcast. You should know him if you don't already. Follow him on social media for everybody listening. He's a legend. Yeah, legend. I read his book. Yeah. Yeah, he's legend. Books. He's got many. He did the um, Athletes or Brands too, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. I read that one. And so I spent almost two years with him and went hard on mine. And where we netted out was like getting a very clear positioning statement. And the first time I said it out loud... I was speaking at South by Southwest in Austin. Wow. And I was on a panel with Alexis Jones, who you should know because she spoke to your team. She yeah. might have even spoken to your team back in the day. She was at Elite 11 a little bit. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. anyway, she was moderating it, and there was a bunch of us, and they went around like they do at everything and say, introduce yourself. Oh, like just went around, and everybody introduced themselves, and it took a, like a minute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to try my thing that I work with. Darlow on <laughs> and uh, it was the following they said Yogi please introduce yourself and I said hi my name is Yogi Roth and my only goal in life is to seek and uncover the humanity in sports around the globe and it was dope because Jeremy was in the audience wow. and it was South by so it was cool yeah. and my now wife was there so that felt fun but I also saw the audience shift mm-hmm. and be like okay he's got a point of view and I've always felt that's important in storytelling have a point of view and what I hope Brad would say you could if you don't agree with it tell me but I hope that you would say that my time with you at the Elite 11 you felt as though I cared about you under the helmet no doubt versus go win the drill no doubt and and I think that's ultimately that's where I lean 
right? Like, um, if you gave me your phone, I could probably figure out your positioning statement based on your photos. Wow. Or I tell athletes, I just told a class at SC and uh, Jeff Ballinger's class, who Daniel, we all love in this class, right? He's, he's an OG at SC. And I said, how many of you think you're storytellers? And there not a lot of hands went up. How many want to be broadcasters? Not a lot of hands went up. How many of y'all got social media? <laughs> so you're always telling right. something. Yeah. What are you telling? And it took me a couple of years to sit back and look at, what am I telling? Right. Where do I lean when the wind isn't blowing? Yeah. I, what do I defend? I defend the person. When they like, Brad Kaya should get benched for whoever was your backup at Miami, <laughs> right? Or Mo Hassan should not be... Like, whoa, 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 hold up. You know this guy? Yeah. Let's just slow down. Like, okay, now tell me, what didn't you like on third down? Okay, did the left tackle miss? All right, it was an all-quarterback. Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. And I, I feel like now, at 40, as of yesterday, uh, in the last oh. five years or so, I think. Happy belated. Happy belated. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, baby. It's on. Yeah, and I also feel like, I mean, back then, I feel like it was kind of unheard of to view as athletes as more than athletes. And I feel like... I mean, just kudos, kudos to you. I feel like you started the ball in motion in this whole, like, like nowadays we have the NIL thing, which is all about them being more than athletes and being people and getting out and, you know, doing these cool partnerships and whatnot. But at the time, if I recall, I feel like it was like you guys were the first ones to want to portray guys in the Elite 11 as like painters or drawers or musicians and whatnot. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, well, we always coined it um, with Trent. Uh, Beyond the X's and O's. That's his podcast mm. now, Trent Dilfer. And, you know, Beyond the X's and O's goes in a bunch of layers, right? right? Trent would pour into the concept of, I hope these guys are the greatest fathers. And we're training and being around the next CEO. Mm. And he could do that because he was a father. And he's been around, he'd been around CEOs. When I met you, I was still in my, I guess, early 30s, right? right? And that's eight years, nine years ago now. Yeah. You still look the exact same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> thank I mean, whatever you're taking, yeah. whatever juice there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A vegetarian, you know. Okay, there we go. Um, but I always felt like uh, when I was an athlete, I don't know if you guys would agree, I felt like I never had room to, ha to be myself. Like I was a walk-on who got a scholarship, who fought his ass off. Yeah. Like Quietly, I wanted to be an actor. And I loved performance. And, and I felt like if I said that out loud... I would be disparaged in the locker room, let alone in my uh, academic advisors. Or like, and I wouldn't even know where to go. Yeah. So I, I think all of us need um, what my mentor, Kevin Carroll, often says. He goes, hey, I'm, a, I need, I'm your encourager. Mm -hmm. So I hope that Mo or you or anybody who's met me um, would say, hey, Yogi's been an encourager to me. So, but to be an encourager, I have to like, find out what I need to encourage. Right. So I, I, I wished I think I had that. So I think I'd probably go even harder at Elite 11. Mm -hmm. And even in my role at Pac-12 with the new show I have, The It Factory, of like, yeah, man, I want to, I want to unearth some shit. Yeah. Like, I want to find out what are you about? Because it's probably powerful mm -hmm. for you to just make it through training camp or be an athlete. Yeah. Tell us more about The It Factory, because we were talking about that off-air a little bit. You just uh, signed with the Pac-12 network, right? Yeah, so I created my own podcast uh, five and a half years ago because I just wanted to. I was really sick not jaded, but I was sick and tired of pitching in Hollywood and getting told the same thing, which is, you're nice, we like your idea, you got the vibe, but it's too earnest. Mm -hmm. I need more edge, or I need a celebrity executive producer. And I was like, shit, man, I got too earnest? <laughs> like, have you that. been in the locker room? <laughs> like, earnest is awesome. Like, we yeah. love earnest mm -hmm. in sport. That's what sport is. Right. 
So I said, all right, I'm just gonna start my own podcast. I'll be the director. I greenlit it, right? Like right. all the fun stuff yeah, that so. you guys do, right? You just create it as your own, on your own. Anyway, I did, uh, I don't know, 150, 60 episodes and loved it. Most part of the one man band. I'd edit it, I'd learn the music, I'd kind of learn how to do it. I'd get a couple sponsors here and there, but I'd hire an intern. Like Max Brown was my intern editing my no podcast. No way, was nice. he? Yeah, Max was, you know, he was um, on our podcast, Max, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, he should be. Yeah, I bet he I didn't know it. that. Yeah, so I, I call it an so apprenticeship now where I hire somebody and I try to teach them. And anyway, so I've had a bunch of them now the last three or four years, but still like never enough as you learn in the podcast game to like, you gotta kind of, you gotta push it if you want to push it and make real cash yeah. or whatever it is. And uh, the Pac-12, we have this new platform called uh, Pac-12 Insider, which is basically just free. So if you have like cable and you get a bunch of free, or you don't, if you don't have cable, if you have the internet, you get a bunch of free channels. Pac-12 network is now on that. that. I think we have that. Like, the Pac-12 we, network? I've seen it on, on our on hulu our smart tv yeah oh uh, i don't know okay yeah everybody pretty yeah. much has it or you can just go to the website and check it out so we're trying to create new content so i just pitched a boatload of ideas mm -hmm. and one of them hit me over the head after spring ball because i did nine spring games and interviewed 40 players Wow. because you interview players before the spring right. game for any yeah. game i mean yeah. i'm calling ucla stanford this week i've interviewed a couple players already this week and i didn't record one of them and i was like that That's they ridiculous. were all great and in my whole career, I've never recorded one of those interviews. Yeah. So I called my boss and I was like, I think we have a show. And he said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, what do you want to call it? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whatever. We figured out the title. We'll call it The It Factor. And I said, well, why don't we just put it on my podcast? Because I already have listeners. And starting a new podcast in this era is like Tough. next to ridiculously <laughs> challenging. It's yeah. like me avoiding Drake Jackson or something. It's not going to happen <laughs> very often. Uh, so that's what it was. And we just agreed to like, yeah, you know what? I'll transition from my podcast, the Yogi Ross show and change the title. I'm not going to lose my show. I don't lose my name or my IP or anything like that. And it's the, it, hopefully it's seen as a good thing for the network, which I'm a, I'm a big, um, I'm a big fan of do versus be. Who do I want to be? No one cares. Like, and I'm over trying to be Kirk Herbstreet. I lost that about 10 years ago. <laughs> what I want to do, I want to tell good stories. Right. So if this is going to help the Pac-12 do cool stuff and yeah. unearth more people and share more stories, then that's what I'm going to do. And and we're all on the same page. So it's been it's been awesome for me. Like I know the Pac-12 networks gets lit up for distribution here and there, but if you're a moron and don't have the internet, then there's no reason why you can't get it. So uh, anybody can watch right. it if they want to. Yeah. Right. So you're doing all Pac-12 athletes? Is that what it is? And is it all I'm football? Gonna start off, I'm going to start all football. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to start all football uh, and then get through the season and then I'm be a bunch of alums. Oh, right? so like that's Brad, be like sick. you'll get on it. I am an alum. I'm a, I'm, that's right. I will be, yeah, you so will be an alum yeah. in April. Yeah, and it'll be it's alums right. that cross over, right? So it'll be like the Teddy Brewskis of the world. There you go. And, nice. you know, Mark Sanchez's, right, for an, uh, the SC fans. Yeah. Get Barkley on. Like, I'll get, we'll get all the guys on it, but I also want to get, like, people that have done some cool stuff um, and had a good impact and have a good story. So yeah. we'll get back to that. But right now it was like, Keaton Slovis was episode one. Okay. Kayvon Thibodeau was episode two. Makes Britton sense. Covey was episode three. Next week is Thomas Booker, Trent yeah. McDuffie. Like, it's going to be the who's who of draftable names yeah, yeah. in the first season. I didn't realize, you mentioned Mark, I didn't realize you coached Mark out here at USC. Yeah. So, it's, I, uh, I was doing a little research. I typed in Yogi Roth on YouTube, and I saw a mic'd up of you coaching. I don't know if you've seen this video. Yeah. It was funny. It was, uh, it was like you and uh, John David Booty. Uh, the old number 10 quarterback at SC. Yeah. Uh, I think like he like, 
broke his hand or something. His finger. Yeah, his finger. And you're like, are you good to go? And he's like, yeah. Like, he was just battling through. And you told Mark, he's like, yo, warm up on the sidelines or something. Um, I thought it was sick. But that was under, I mean, those were some legendary teams. Pete Carroll, the head coach. Sark was the OC, right? Uh, was Coach Allen there? No, not yet. He wasn't there? Yeah, Lane um, had been there. Lane Kiffin, Sark was there. Kenny Norton was there. Brennan Carroll was there. Brennan Carroll. Nick, yeah, you know BC, mm -hmm. bro. He's OC guy. Arizona now. Uh -huh. He's the best, man. It was the who's who. That, that, that game was, insane. was the Stanford game. Okay. 2007, that was the biggest upset in Power 5 football. They were 41-point underdogs, I think, and beat us that night. That, that was, was when Andy Luck was there. Andrew yeah. Luck. Right. Uh, no, it was Tavita Pritchard. Tavita. He right. Beat them. Tavita. He beat He led the way. Richard Sherman was playing. Yeah. Uh, now Tavita's the OC. Yeah. I knew he was the OC, but I didn't know he played Ooh, quarterback. Yeah. He's a baller, man. What? Tavita's amazing. Okay. One of my favorite guys in the country. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, know, I remember that. Dude, that's like that crazy. Game. Yeah. And it was an interesting moment because I was a young coach, mm -hmm. and I was coaching the quarterbacks, and Sark was the OC. And you love that guy. Like, you're so connected. You guys know the relationship with your coach. And hindsight, I wonder if, um, you know, John, was, John David was throwing it 10 yards away from Patrick Turner at the time, a receiver at SC, and he had zip on it. The revolutions were the same. I wish I said, hey, stand 20, feet, 20 yards apart because he throws a really bad pick, mm -hmm. and it's on a dig route. Mm -hmm. And it, as you guys know as quarterbacks, when the ball comes off your fingers – his uh i think it was his middle or his index finger like when it comes off like it doesn't have the juice yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't spin and i wish i you know i mean sc fans might hate me for this but like i, I wish i had the foresight to be like stand 25 yards apart on the sideline and throw right. versus 10 because he's like yeah. i'm good i'm good it's coming out but he didn't have the yeah. juice and i was actually at that game by the way too no way so, oh. oh wow heartbroken yeah. <laughs> yeah how old was mark there Sophomore. Sophomore. Uh, yeah, sophomore. And he played, was that John David's last year there? And then Mark started junior, senior? He might have been, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, Mark only started for one season. Oh, okay. So Mark, no, Mark was a third year player. So he's a redshirt sophomore. Wow. He redshirted, didn't play. Think of that, that era yeah. now. Three years, Mark Sanchez. Might have transferred. Might have. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mark would have. Mark is, Mark is a badass. Yeah. Like, what's Mark crazy about Mark is, is I, I feel like everyone knew, even like myself and my dad would talk about Mark when he was in the fold. So it was like everyone knew Mark was going to be that guy. It was just a matter of when. When. You know, and he had the whole, there was the whole, there was a, some issue I think that happened before his start that got cleared up yeah. in court. But yeah, everyone like around town knew Mark was going to be. The guy. His, his yeah, last it was a different era, man. We when we, back in the day, Carson was the starter here. Leinart, Castle, and um, this baseball player came from Purdue. Uh, he was here. Started at Purdue. Those guys sat. Yeah. Carson left, and then they competed for the job. Brandon Hans and uh, Leinart wins it. Neither one of those guys transferred. Right. Castle sat and then went to the league and played for over. Crazy. A day. Yeah. John David was here. He was the number one player in America. He was the first guy to ever leave high school early. Mm -hmm. Oh, like early enrollee? Yeah, early. Okay. No, 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 like high school early. Like oh, an entire after year. After junior yeah. year. Like JT. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he did that, but sat. There was no threat of leaving. Mark came in and sat. Like, that was the deal. And then it was like, we missed on some recruits. Right. We didn't get Brad Kaya. And, <laughs> uh, and then Mark, Matt Barkley came in and started as a freshman. Freshman, yeah. 
So why do the you first think? One. Was he the first? I think he started as a freshman here. I think. Right. I th- it was definitely in a while. I think Car. I think the first. I think he's the first okay. to start his first game. Mm. Okay. Like Carson yeah. played like as to a win freshman. the job out of um, him. Uh, Todd Moranovich, I think, played as a freshman. I think there's some. He guys was a that Superman. Played. He was like the Superman. Oh my god! School. Amazing. Right? Yeah. What a documentary. My dad actually, when I was five, my dad actually um, talked to Todd's father, um, like wow. just about what he would have done differently, how to go about it. What did he say? I don't. I don't know. It was. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it was something different about the culture back then with Coach Carroll? Like I've talked to some of our older coaches here on the staff that like played under him, and they'll they'll tell us some crazy stories. But I'm curious, like if you've got anything. Like we had uh, a guy on the wall, uh, Christian Tupo. He was a strength coach here, D lineman um, under Carroll, and he said. Just the culture was like Wolf of Wall Street, and I was like verbatim out of his mouth. Um, he man said something similar as well, right? Did he? Yeah, E-Man, and he he was telling us about they were going. Oh, that's like right, Emmanuel the Playboy Moody. Mansion and stuff like that as players here. Going yeah, um, or like you know, obviously he's known as being a players coach, but still at the end of the day, you know, business is business, and you're expected to uphold to the standard. Um, I think one of the stories was on game days um, he would. He would section off like a room in the hotel and he would allow guys just to do whatever they want. It would be like a 30 minute window and like guys are throwing chairs, you know, water bottles are spraying everywhere. Like dudes are fighting, just like clear everything out. And then once that's over, it's silent and it's, it's time to play. Like just crazy stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, I've never heard any program do that. Yeah, there's a lot there. I was really fortunate. I, I was able to write Coach Carroll's book and recommend it. Um, yeah. Because I think what he's known for often is let's just say in LA, uh, he's known a lot for what he did in the community. Better LA was amazing what Pete did. I mean, he, he really altered uh, gang violence in Los Angeles and attacked it. Really? Like it was, he would let me go out with him on a Tuesday night in the season and he'd take me down into the inner city of LA. It was amazing, there's a great 60 minutes piece on him. Uh, he's known for his fun. He's known for his big white shoes. He's known for chewing bubble gum. He's known for uh, going forward on fourth down. He's known for, you know, being incredibly likable. Where I've always felt, and I still feel he doesn't get the notoriety, is he's one of the most gifted defensive minds in the history of the, of the sport at any level. And he's one of the most gifted schematics uh, coaches in all of ball. He had a blueprint that was so crystal clear that there was no wavering and he was probably more competitive than most of the players. Wow. So for all the fun stuff for Will Farrell coming to practice yeah. with Hollywood being what it was with Matt and Reggie and we were rolling like Pete was as real as it got as a competitive human being, whether it was noon hoops playing me one-on-one <laughs> or whether it was finding ways to compete to, we got to curb this gang violence in L.A. to make him practice the most competitive environment. Uh, I've never been to an Alabama practice, but when you hear about it, uh, the core of it reminds you a lot of when, when we had it going. Whoa. And what allowed, it to ha- uh, allowed us to get going is what we coined a competitive cauldron. That's a phrase from Bill Walsh that Pete took. And a competitive cauldron is can you create the environment that's just insanely competitive. And when I look at the word compete, I'll ask you, Mo, like, how would you define it? Just going at it toe-to-toe with guys in front of you. 
Yeah. Really. Okay, I mean, that's interesting. What would you say? I'd say, I mean, knowing that you're going to have to face off against someone just as good as you yeah. at all times. That's cool. How right? about you? I mean, I'm fine to beat a man in front of you. I'll yeah. say the same thing. Yeah, so it's interesting. So if you pulled out your phone and you looked up the word compete right now, mm-hmm. the definition on it would read to strive against. Okay. But if you looked at the Latin root of the word, it would say to strive together. So somewhere over the creation of the word to the application of that overused, often uh, wrongly used word now, it's changed, right? So it went from like, yo, we could be playing the same position, but hey, Castle, hey, Leonard, hey, whomever, you're going to make me better. You could be a line across from me. Cedric Ellis, Ryan Khalil, two top ten or two, I think first or second round picks. Guys played forever in the NFL. It was never I'm gonna kick your butt and you're gonna kick mine. It was like, yo, let's get me better. Yeah. Right. And and the only way is for you to go up against me. So let's go. You know, it would be Sam Baker saying, "Come on, Kush, what you got, Clay?" <laughs> yeah. It, that was the vibe. It was not. I learned this from Chip Kelly or I learned Quentin Lake at, at UCLA told me last week. He said a phrase they use over there is uh. Amateurs advertise alone, which I love. We didn't do that. You watched our teams, and there was no individual advertising going on, celebration going on. It was like you were literally striving together. So Pete had this thing where he wanted to create, like, uh, one heartbeat. Now, you dig down deeper. That's why I referenced the book is um, you can look at Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Cool. So, like, it basically has this thing of, like, what do you need to survive? And it's based on an individual what they need. And Pete always felt, well, what if we can apply individual needs to the team? What if the team was like, I need food, water, and shelter to survive. Mm. And what if like we went and found that food, water, and shelter to survive? It could be powerful. So here's an example. And this, this is one of my favorite stories. First week on the job, uh, and then just tell me to stop talking. I got stories. No, for days no, no, I love this. Going. Yeah. First week on the job, I'm still playing. So this is secondhand from Pete. He would tell it all the time. Uh, he's trying to figure out his team. So first workout, right? You guys winter conditioning or whatever you guys do it. Most a lot of teams do it at 6 a.m. We did 6 a.m. or whatever. Pete was like, we don't know why I do it at 6 a.m. Like, it's not going to make you better or stronger. He was like, <laughs> we could do it Afternoons. at 1 o'clock or whatever. Yeah. I did it. So, but he told the staff, he goes, I want this. It was their first workout. I want it to be the hardest workout they've ever had in their lives. I want them to remember for the rest of their lives. So they just worked them, right? Unheard of. Never ending, mat drills, cone, whatever, (laughs) right? Intensity. And you got a new coach. You know what that's like. Like you got to impress. Oh, yeah. If you're trying to show out. At the end of it, he goes, all right, guys, uh, nice job, uh, but we're not done. 10 o'clock tonight, I want to meet, meet me at the 50 at the Coliseum. Have you ever heard this story? No. Oh, that's a good story. I, this story should get passed on in lore <laughs> okay. to every player that plays at USC, in my opinion. He goes, meet me at the 50. And at what time? At 10 o'clock at night. So uh, the players leave, and Pete's like, all right, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to do something with him. And he's walking around <laughs> campus, and he sees across the street. Uh, I think it's still there. There's a fire department across the street from campus. Yeah. And he walks over and he goes, hey, uh, I need your longest like rope. And I said, sure. And he goes to the 50 and he's there kind of by himself. And we've all been at the Coliseum at night. The, to me, there's something brilliant about a stadium that's dimly lit at night. It's iconic. It's iconic. It was also in, in uh, the Atmosphere. LA, right? It was, it's been in movies. Oh, there you movies. go. Yeah. Right, yeah. 
<laughs> and, and when it's like it's dramatic it's dramatic right and he, he said he was sitting at the 50 and he got there early and he's like i don't know if anybody's gonna come like i'm the first i'm a new coach like who knows like i don't right. know and uh one by one they start to trickle in the tunnel and that tunnel as we know is iconic too you hear the cleats click 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 you hear the echoes guys are nervous energy and they all come out and uh he doesn't know a lot of the names doesn't know a lot of the players and he goes hey troy palomalo Give me your best uh, 11. Hey, Carson Palmer, give me your best 11. He goes, I want you guys to be on opposite sides, and we're going to have a tug of war. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I think eventually, like, some guys on one side of the ball, like, cheated and, like, a couple <laughs> guys, and somebody won. Right. And he rallied everybody together. He goes, what did we just learn? And I think guys were, like, a little nervous to say anything. He goes, we learned that if we're pulling in opposite directions, like, we got no chance. Hmm. We said, everybody get back to back. So whatever it was at the time, 80, 90 guys, back to back at the 50 in the Coliseum. And he goes, I want your shoulders to be touching. And he said, if we stay this connected, this together, no matter who comes over these walls, Notre Dame, UCLA, da 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 it won't matter. But if we start to pull in opposite directions, we're going to struggle. So whenever you're ready to say that you're in, mm. Come into my office and give me it on a piece of paper, on a napkin, however you want to do it, and write in, I'm in. And over the course of the next couple of days, guys started trickling. So back in the day, Brad saw it. I don't know if you ever saw it, Mo, but we used to have these signs that said, I'm in. You can Google it. Pete has them in Seattle now. And on the way to practice, it said, I'm in. Wow. So when I go to practice, I still tap it like it's there. Do you really? So what, the point is when you tap in, like you're respecting the game. You're respecting the commitment you made. And you're going to get locked in. You're not. You're going to run on the practice field. You're not going to walk. You're not going to disrespect the hundred whatever first round draft picks that have come out of here. And and that's a ten minute story, whatever I just told. But he would say that on every visit. Wow. So it wasn't about. And he would say it on every visit today. And yeah, we're in LA, LA man. Boulevard Studios is great, right? Like he he would embrace it, but it wouldn't. That wouldn't lead the dialogue. Right. What, what would lead the dialogue is what Alabama does now. And, and uh, I learned this from a former coach there. He said that when guys come, it's not how do I get to the league. Saban's like, don't come. If you're going to look at this place as a stepping stone, don't come. Mm. You will get there. That's the byproduct. Yeah. Come here to be special. And that's what I feel SC uh, was if, if I had to cap, uh, put in a capsule when, when Pete was here. That's how we got it. I don't, I don't know the intimacies of how every other bit, everybody's done it since. Yeah. Mo would know, obviously, the most recent, and, and you would know as well. Uh, but it, it wasn't ice cream sundaes and dance-offs. Yeah. Like, and even to the point of the locker room or uh, the, the hotel. Yeah. It would blow your mind if you saw that. But it wasn't about being destructive. It wasn't about nervous energy. I believe the term is uh, longboarding in the Native American culture. Wow. Whereas if you are trying to uh, call to the gods rain, food, whatever it may be, uh, oftentimes you create a fire and you chant around that fire. So the chairs that you'd hear about being thrown were not to be thrown. Mm. That was the first log on the fire. Wow. And then we would chant different chants in that room. So while the players may not have recognized the depth and breadth in which they were being trained in, man, he did. So it wasn't like these guys are off the walls and, oh, we put a hole in the wall. It was like, man, we're connected. And, and I say that because it all goes back to him 
to the word compete. So every coach says it, it's going to be so competitive and da-da-da-da. But, like, I ask, like, how deep can you go on that? And that's what I, that's what I love about my job now is I get to ask coaches the first questions. When I call your game in two weeks, I'll ask Dante, give me your head coaching philosophy, man. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it because <laughs> they're all so different. I can't wait to hear it. Right. And then I'll ask the coordinators and I'll ask players it, and then we'll see if it plays out. And those are the teams that are connected. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Dude, that, that, was was a, yeah. that was a lot. That was a lot. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, wow. I'm like sweating. Yeah, like, that, that's getting chills right there. Um, and my question to you is, you know, I feel like I, I hear, like there's a lot of programs that used to be special like that, like USC, Miami. Uh, Florida State even, you know, places all over. But it seems like we've kind of gotten away from that over the past decade, two decades. Um, you know, because I, I heard a lot of the same stories at Miami sure, as well about what those guys went through in the 90s teams, early uh, the 80s teams, early 2000s teams. Um, but why do you think, because it seems like it's like this new, uh, maybe it's the, I'm not going to put it on the NIL thing or, or maybe social media or phones, but why do you think it's? it seems like, the, like there's this new, kind of individual thing going on around the country yeah. at a lot of programs. And I don't know if you agree or whatnot or if you can attribute it to that, but if you've seen, if you've noticed that as well, perhaps, or, you know, certain programs getting away from what tradition was or yeah. maybe it's players. I think there's a, there's a lot generation. to it. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a bunch to unpack, Brad. Mm -hmm. I think I'll say this, and I, and I believe in this, and I think it's, mm -hmm. it is a thing in L.A. Oh, You'd be able to tell me if you think it's a thing on the team, and I'm not asking you to answer the, that question. Yeah. But I believe in the following, and it's probably the same in Miami, because you have so many talented players around you. When you sign at SC, most guys, when they announce their commitment now, what do they say? I'm committing right. for the what? For the next? Three to four years. Three to four years. Yeah. <laughs> and you're lucky if they say four. Right. Right? It's often, I'm, I'm going to go to whatever school for the next three years. Okay, cool. Your community, you, I love that. You should think you're a baller. Go do you. And that's what you're told. Very cool. That's what recruiting bases tell you, right? There is an element of social media in this thing. This is how, this is what you are receiving all the time. And then you walk into the facility, right? You're a walk-on mo, right? No. Back well, in the day? What you, yeah, former. Former, yeah, exactly. Same, same here. Yeah. You walk into the facility and you know as a former walk-on, who's a poser and who's not in about a workout and a half yeah. right or a practice you can tell like i'm gonna go beat that guy out i yeah. he'll be gone yeah. he'll be gone he'll be gone what's my point is that that same individual who's told that they are uh, a five star and out in three years when they walk into a facility and have to meet a 20 year old 21 year old 22 23 year old and come to the reality in that facility that i'm not as strong or as fast or as talented or as confident as I thought I was. And they have to deal with that reality. And then they walk back outside. And they walk back into that reality. And when you go back and forth and back and forth, I've seen it too many times that I've never seen an athlete maximize their potential when they're told they're one thing, but the reality in the facility where the truth is in the proverbial tape does not match that. Yeah. And it, oftentimes, it does not match it. Did it... Didn't match with you, probably. Right. People probably were like, Brad Kai's going to be first-round pick, win a Heisman. You had right. a hell of a career. Right. Right? But you walked in and you were able to manage that. Yeah. A lot of people don't and struggle there. And I think that is a thing in L.A. Because 
so much of your community, I mean, this Bakersfield Beltway, from Bakersfield to San Diego is the majority of your roster. Yeah. So I think there's something there in uh, leadership to, to making sure you manage that. And I'm not saying SC did a good or bad job. I don't, I have no idea. But I do know that for the athletes that walk into a lot of other programs that I talk to even at Elite 11 in the middle of nowhere, struggle with that. Mm. It's the identity thing of, you all tell me who I am because you're on my DMs all the time. Right. And I don't even know who I am. But I need to project who I am because now it's an NIL thing. Right. right? Yeah. So I, 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 yeah. I'm not saying that's why like the dynasties are down, Brad, but I think there's an element to that. I think another reason why the dynasties are down is that we've seen so many, so much good football. Right, that too. Grassroots a level, a lot of parity. 19 teams are yeah. heading into week four. 19 AP ranked teams have lost. Especially this season. It's crazy. You guys play quarterback. A lot of dudes can pass the ball. Fresno State, UCLA. Jake Hayner's a Heisman candidate. I got a Heisman vote. Yeah. He's on my short list. Really? He's balled out. I haven't yeah, seen yeah. a better performance since that Vince That last Young. throw he threw in the corner of the red zone when oh he got lit gosh. up. Yes. And he was Amazing. holding his groin or whatever. And, but my yeah. point is that there's awesome. so many ta- there's so many passers <laughs> who can cut through and be a quarterback. You know, Brad, that was you. You weren't just a passer, right? Like, like a, you're a gamer. I loved it. I lived it. You lived it, bro. I didn't go to Miami to, you know. To go to Miami. Yeah, you weren't going <laughs> kicking at South yeah. Beach every day. Like, right. Royal Gables, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think there's some of that. Um, I also th- believe in this, and this phrase has been used by a lot. It was coined by Dilfer at Elite 11. Is do you love football or do you love what football brings you? Right. And I think it's fair because what football brings you is really cool. But again, I go back to like in the military or in Navy SEALs, they would say, we don't need to train the elite. We don't need to train the bottom. We need to work, get after the middle. Mm. The middle is going to push the elite and pull up the bottom. And if they don't pull them up, right. they're just going to fall off and we're cool. Right. So I think there's probably a little bit of all that stuff going on right, right now in major college football, which yeah. to me makes it kind of exciting. Like I would yeah. love the Blue Bloods to be back. I don't like that the Blue Bloods get benefits of the doubt, right? right? As somebody who's like, you know, my job is to continue to promote teams for what I see versus just what history has shown. So, I guess, like, as we try to get back to, yeah, I mean, when you were coaching out here <laughs> with, like, you know, the Pete Carroll days and, you know, like, the Blue Blood dynasties, like, the old Miami teams, old SC teams, and, you know, obviously there's the coaching search that's going on out here at SC. Just curious as to, like, anything you've heard or your just general thoughts on some of the candidates that are out there. I think it's really easy. Like, who... It's not hard to name the list of candidates. Yeah. Number one. So let's just start that. Like, of course, this job is awesome. It well, is awesome. candidate. We were having Anyone. that debate earlier. Like, <laughs> the other guys didn't think so, but in my opinion, it's a top three job in college football. Yeah. And just they given, didn't agree. What's that? They didn't agree? No, I, um, yeah, like I agree. Just the guys in the house. Oh, like, we were just having that debate. Yeah. Because okay. they're thinking, like, the programs that are doing well now, like, say, in Alabama, for instance, but, like, in my opinion, when Nick Saban leaves, like, is that dynasty going to continue going? Uh, I don't think so. Like, the resources no. that are in place here and the city and the recruiting, like, this is, you know, like, a sleeping giant. Like, it's it's set up for long-term success, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. This is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where shall we start? Let's talk about context of USC football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perfect. It is easily one of the biggest brands in the history of the game. It has a rabid fan base, oftentimes over the top, which is every blue blood, and probably every fan base. Yeah. That's why we love sport. 
since 1980, outside of Pete Carroll, how many 10-win seasons or more has USC had in football? I don't know. Maybe I'm like go with six. Eight is, eight is probably about right. Okay. Here we go. I'll stick with it. Okay, cool. I believe it's, um, I believe it's five. Okay. Uh, and one was in 1980 or 81. It was Larry Smith. Uh, Clay had two. Uh, yeah. Lane had one. And I think Sark had one. You'd still expect wow. way more. You'd expect way more. Yeah. Yeah. So w- why do I say that? I say that to just kind of like, and I say this all the time. I say this quote all the time um, because I think it's important to share like expectations for SC have always been through the roof. Talent has majority uh, the time been within yeah. this program. Mm-hmm. SC's campus, I think it's lazy to say it recruits itself, but because it's done so well and locals grew up cheering for SC within... 20 miles of SC, there's like fathers, mothers passing down SC to their kids, right? Brad, you... My dad, I mean, my dad went to UC Davis and he still passed USC down to me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you, you have this natural element to it, but it's not like it's won 10 games a year for the last 40 years. To your point about Alabama and Nick Saban or Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, those guys are really elite coaches. The longer and longer Pete's away from here, the more and more respect is put on his name in terms of the type he coach yeah. he was like it, it it's proven to be hard to just crank out double digit wins and rose bowl appearances he was five years in a row top four in the country well what's funny yeah. is back then i i felt i felt like around town it was like if we ended up playing in the rose bowl and it wasn't a national championship it was like oh that's Totally. It was like, well, that's that's an season. Season. Uh, yeah, that's yeah like Alabama. everyone felt around t- at school. Kids were mad that we were in the Rose Bowl yep. instead of like the like the instead of the national championship that year. I felt Every it year. as a staff, <laughs> but yeah, in our in our staff room. And that's why I love when you guys invite me in SC. It's cool to see like what messaging is in the facility. All we had was own the Rose Bowl because that's all we could control. And you remember it? Well, you may not remember. You guys were when were you born, Mo? Ninety-eight. Cool, ninety-eight. I'm ninety-seven. Ninety-seven, Brad. Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Okay, cool. So you're not that young compared to some of your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, but in whatever 2002, it was a split national championship, or 2003, whatever it was. And Pete, I remember he he told us he's like, I had to go into that room and be like, guys, we're going to the Rose Bowl, not the national championship. How do I do that? <laughs> like, this is crazy. I think Auburn left them or something like that but he's like no 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 like the only goal is to own the rose because it's the only thing we can control is pack 10 champs back then so bcs bcs was so wacky so wacky. <laughs> he couldn't control it it was like yeah. some computer kicked out who was gonna play which i'd argue might be better than where we are today right. in yeah. the playoff uh regardless to the question usc i think uh you need a couple things i did my master's thesis on this a great what it was titled what makes a great coach great i studied wooden peach shevsky like all the top coaches and what I answered Dorrance like what I learned was that you need to be consistent in teaching like uncommonly consistent mm. right John Wooden famously would teach his players how to put socks on first day of practice really right Pete would walk in and say it's all about the ball and he would teach you how to hold the ball like uncommonly consistent every first meeting of every spring and every camp started the same exact way yeah. uncommonly consistent that's why we had themes during the week, right? I, those themes may still carry over. I'm not sure. Tell the Truth Monday. Yeah, we do that. Oh, uh, yeah, we yeah, do that. Yeah, Tell the Truth yeah. Monday. So began with Coach Carroll. Um, what was today? Compete. Tell the Truth Monday. Uh, tell the Truth Monday was yesterday. No, Tuesday. Competition Tuesday. Competition Tuesday. Tuesday. Did you guys do that as well? Yeah, no turnover or turnover. Turnover Wednesday. Yeah, okay. 
you know, okay. repeat Thursday. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Totally. Did. Yeah. We even had some that at Miami. It was like the same. I bet. Yeah. yeah I was on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are on it now. One, consistency. Uncommon consistency. Two is independent in thought. Independent in thought. And to me, that speaks to confidence. Like, have you done it before? I, Pete used to always say, yeah, man, I ain't not worried about anything. I got fired twice. Jets cut me after a year. <laughs> Patriots screwed me after we won a division title. He, he wouldn't say that. I would say that. But he just, he, he just wore it. He's like, that, that was cool. But, like, I'm not worried about a fourth down call. Like, I'm good. Right? So can you be independent in thought? Like, and really, really be grounded in that when it comes to alums and donors and so many voices. Like, it's hard, man. Like, it's really hard. To do that, in my opinion, you have to be special or seasoned. Mm. You could be both. Dante Williams, I think, is very special. Yeah, I really do. Um, clearly, isn't seasoned as a head coach. Right. Doesn't mean he's not candidate for the job. Uh, and then I, I, so if you can get past those two for me, then you're in the dialogue. Then you get into the dialogue, and I think you need these three things. Uh, number one, the phrase is likable. I think you need to be likable. I don't think you need to be like. You know Hollywood Boulevard and like on every show like, but you need to be likable, and I say that because that's the, that we're in that era of entertainment in recruiting. It's not just recruiting; it's likability. Yeah, it's with the media, it's with the fan base, it's with the donors. Yeah. If this next coach wants to take the football team and live on a proverbial island in the facility, I think it's a terrible move. Mm. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a terrible move, and here's why. And I just tested it out in a class on campus. I said, hey, when you hear the football team, if they were doing their own thing and never cared about the track team or the women's basketball team or the volleyball team, like, how would, you, how would they be perceived in the athletic department? And no one would like you. And I think now in college athletics, I think it needs to be everybody connected. I think it, it, it helps out in tutoring. It helps out just the ecosystem of mental health. Like NIL, a lot of people who get NIL deals don't wear a helmet breaking news right there are people that faces are seen yeah they're female athletes there there's a lot there so i uh, i think you need to have that side of you i think you need to be likable i think you need to um i think you need to have a identity there are very few and some can there are very few and very successful head coaches who've never called a play before urban meyer is one of them right uh, PJ Flex, another one. There's some great ones that have done it at a really high level. Yeah. But they had an identity on their side right. of the ball. I think you need to have that. Because when you're at SC, if you win, I tell this to every high school quarterback, wherever you go, if you're good, your coach should not be there your whole career. Mm. And in LA, at SC, with the capability and the resources you referenced earlier, Mo, you're going to launch out of here as a coordinator. Yeah. So whatever side of the ball it is, I think you got to have a really clear identity of what this team could be. So you could fill that in. Yeah. As the head coach, if you lose, uh, think about it. When we were when when it turned a little at SC, Sark became the head coach, and he took a lot of people. Mm-hmm. He took Nick Holt, defensive coordinator. Pete was a defense guy. We were good, right? And Pete had groomed up Johnny Morton to be the offensive coordinator. Like there was a plan in place of always succession yeah. when guys would right. launch out of there. So uh, I think those two things are uh, incredibly important. Um, What's interesting well, is a lot of those principles. It seems like those can apply to being a quarterback too. Yeah, or being a point guard, or being a yeah, a a- any guard. kind of leader, yeah. really, right? Yeah. Here's my last one. This is an easy one. I think you need to have impeccable character. Okay. I think what Clay did. You you can't knock the human. 
Oh, great dude. Clay oh, yeah. he's a guy. Love yeah. Clay. I mean, I'm, and I'm a huge fan of Clay, and I've known him for a really long time. So I think I'm those too. three things: character, uh, likability, and a commitment to his to his side of the wall. This is always like <laughs> when a coach gets fired. I try to always stay out of that fray, yeah. Because no one can win, right? Like I've the the day Clay got let go, I did my piece on what I thought about Clay as a man and as a coach, and then I my thoughts on him getting uh, fired. And then what I think fans need to do right now for USC football. I don't think it's this, to be honest with you. Like, I don't yeah. think it's decide who's the next head coach. Like, I think it's get behind the players. Yeah. You were, your team was voted to win the South dramatically. And a lot of the people that voted your team to win the South probably wrote a column after the Stanford game that said you should make a change at head coach. So which is it? Yeah. So now that he's gone... Let's get behind the team. Right. Yeah, like I, I'm calling for every SC fan to show up and show out on Saturday night at 7:30 at the Collie versus debate in their home about one v one, two v two. Like, dude, it doesn't. It, my opinion doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, you know, like I gotta trust that Mike Bone and I do and Brandon are gonna crush this thing, and that an insane amount of current coaches, former coaches, up and coming coaches all want this job. Yeah. So whatever your list is, we can screw around with. But I, I just think that, like, they're going to nail it. They're going to nail it. Yeah. Matt, let's just go. I know the list. Matt Campbell. <laughs> he'd be awesome. He'd be freaking awesome. Um, All right. John Wooden came from the Midwest. No problems across town in basketball. Like, I think that's... Right. I didn't know that. That's a net zero to me. Uh, it's national recruiting anyway. Yeah. Uh, and what he did in the state of Iowa is phenomenal. Eric Bieniemy would be phenomenal. This is a guy, uh, remember, him and Mike Bone have a relationship. I called those games when he was the OC at Colorado wow. 10 years ago or yeah. 13 years ago now. Um, there was a relationship there. All right, who else we got? Uh, Mario, Urban, Who's they'd be great. Fickle. They'd kill it. Who else? Luke Fickle? Yeah. Of course, obviously. Like, uh, my the mom Cincinnati could put connection. this list together, man. Yeah. Like, he would kill it if he was here. Uh, who else? Uh, Kalani Sataki would crush it yeah. here. Uh, the lane train coming back? No. <laughs> <laughs> It w- I love Lane. I've known Lane since I was eight, 19. I That would be awesome. I was calling for Ed Ogeron to come back. Yeah, that's probably he not going to happen. He was the one who offered yeah, me. Of course he Clay did. Offered me, you know. James Franklin. What a start James came would back. be incredible. Love yeah. James. He grew up like 45 minutes from where I grew up. I've known James for a minute. He'd kill it. Like mm-hmm. Those guys hit the qualifications that I referenced earlier, and I think that's what it's more about. Yeah. And, and do you have the energy to get after it? Yeah. Right, because the opportunity to win a natty is few and far between. Every school, no offense to your boys at Vanderbilt, <laughs> I, I watched their film against Stanford this morning. Loved okay. watching that game. They did some really good things. Yeah, in the beginning, they played solid. Yeah. Probably never going to win a national title there. Probably never going to win a national t- yeah. title at South Carolina. <laughs> right. Probably never going to win a title. <laughs> Sorry, like I don't know. It's just it, there's just some truths. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, tough. Yeah, it's it's inequitable. Yeah. It was funny. I was watching the South Carolina head coach after they played Georgia. His interview was completely just as genuine as possible. They were like, "Oh yeah, where good. do you think you struggled against against Georgia this past week?" And he goes, "Well, they got about five guys on defense who weigh 340 pounds and run faster than all of you people asking me questions. So that's probably why. And they got five stars. Yeah, five stars backing up the five stars, yeah. and they got probably four stars backing up those second five, three, five stars. So that's and healthy probably culture. Why yeah, yeah. Totally. So yeah, uh, who else you got?" I mean, we could go. We could rip the Jay Norvell, like uh, Brent yeah. Brennan, uh, Jonathan Smith. They beat you this weekend. He'll be a candidate for the job. I'm gonna throw my hat in there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yogi, you can come back. 
Yeah. <laughs> They're going to hire much more qualified people. And yeah. and I think that's the thing here is like this is a big this is a big deal. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And they know it's a big deal. And yeah. to your point, you said resources. I've done the homework from low 30s to mid 40s. Very comparable, dramatically comparable to Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma. Yeah. So this is a big job, yeah. and they're going to hire somebody that's going to crush it here, and you know, hopefully get SC back to where uh, fans expect it to be for a little bit. It's going to be the national championship. Saying that, do you have a pick, an early pick for this year, the national championship? Oh, I like you that. You have to call the two teams in the game like right that. now. That's hard. You name two teams. Who's playing in the championship right now? So am I like projecting out injuries, or am I going based on? Like, You're just reality? going based off today's performance. Okay. Because you like you can't call uh, this guy. Well, just... all right. Let's go. Do you want to go based on? Like I get to rank them in the CFP. Oh, I let's go. All right, cool. Oh, you let's go. go. Let's playoffs do that. and then Natty. Yeah, I mean, okay. let's do that. Let's go top four and then go uh, Rose Bowl. I think Alabama's really talented. You think they again. stay at one? Yeah. I think they're going to stay at one. Well, Florida played them tough, but yeah. Florida played them tough. Florida are a good team. I just believe in what Florida's Saban's done. Like, I'm so yeah. impressed by it. Like, yeah. I'm just so impressed by it's it. It's insane. Maybe uh, your hurricane. Georgia, I, I don't know. Georgia's hard for me right now. I don't know their schedule by heart. Like, I know they don't play Alabama. Um, no. They not played until, them not until the championship the game. SEC way, championship. So, <laughs> super conference. Uh right. To it's hard. Like Oregon, I think. You gonna take Oregon from the pack? Uh, yeah, I'll take the Ducks. I don't think they go unscathed though. I think they'll have a loss. They go a playoffs in a championship. They lose to us. One of those packs. They have to lose you in the title game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then they're not in the playoff. Yeah. Penn State. And we are. Yeah. If we if if we win out, we're in the playoffs, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You think I, so? With that oh, one, with that one Stanford loss. Yeah, but it's early oh, yeah. in the season. Like, here's the thing, because it's it's hard to do that. Like, project out because so much happens. I think the thing that I try to do now is uh, what I referenced earlier is give context to, mm. and that, I think that's my job as an analyst is to give t- context to 19 teams that have ranked have lost, uh, to give context to the Mountain West. Yeah. Name one player that left early from the Mountain West last year to the NFL. No, nobody can do it. It's Darren Hall, okay. corner. They use a late round pick. Everybody came back for their super senior year. So yeah. to me, like, I'm not tripping on Pac-12 versus the Mountain West record in the non-conference slate. So I look at the Mountain West. I say Fresno is going to be the team this year. That they're going to be the group of five team that's chan- They're going to be Cincinnati, mm. undefeated, and have a chance to make legit noise. BYU or they're BYU. They're, yeah. they're independent. They're going to have a chance to go undefeated as well. I was going to oh, say UCF, right. but they just lost. Yeah, so yeah. like I'm not I'm not really worried about like K State and Stanford loss. Uh, I look at USC, Stanford, UCLA, Arizona State, and of course Oregon coming from the West Coast is like I'm not ready to buy into Arizona State. I don't think they're a team that commits double digit penalties every week. We'll find out. Of course, they host Colorado this weekend, and I think it's I think it's kind of early to like uh, eliminate so much. To your point, true. You know, as you guys know, as players. It's really hard to be focused and play your best for 12 weeks. Yeah. No one in the history of the Pac-12, including the teams of Marcus Mariota, ever went undefeated in conference play. Really? Ever. In the Pac? conference games, it's really hard. So I don't think it's going to happen again. So then you look at, all right, well, when does Kayvon Thibodeau come back? What type of impact will he, would he have against Tanner McKee? Could Stanford upset Oregon in two weeks? 
Like, what happens this weekend with UCLA? Yeah. You know, like, there's there's so much to it. Does Utah get going now that they have their quarterback? Right. I think it's hard. I, th- I think, to me, though, Bama looks like the, like, they look like uh, one of the better teams in the country, obviously. Oregon has the best win of the season. So I think those are two teams that today I'm like, yeah, I feel really good about that. Feel good about those two. Uh, so as we wrap this up, I kind of wanted to... I'm curious with, like, the conference alignment. Like, this is, like, a, a legitimate question that I... I tried to understand through my rings, but you probably can shed more light on it with like the alliance that's going on with like the pack. Was it the big? ACC. Yeah, no, yeah, the ACC and the Big Twelve, right? Or is it big the Big Ten? Ten? The Big Ten. The Big Ten. Yeah, yeah it's it just to me it was very confusing. Um, I don't really know what's going on, but yeah. an alliance, right? Well, I think there's gonna be a lot that's going on. I think number one, when you look at college football, if you think of late July, it was thrust into a disarray. Oklahoma and Texas go behind the back of the Big 12 leadership and jump into the SEC. The SEC is on conference calls every week with the other ADs, and they're making this deal happen. Not saying it's right, wrong, and different. Morally, there's obviously questions, but it's big business, it's big money, it's big college football. That's the reality. It's big college athletics. Uh, When that happened, it was crazy, right? It'd be like um, choppy waters in the ocean. So what the alliance, to me, did was that it calmed the waters in college athletics. Hmm. And it said, hey, 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 the Big 12, we don't know if it'll exist at the time. The SEC has become a super conference. Clearly, they've had insane success on the field and financial success with their new TV rights. The ACC is locked into a long-term TV deal, but have had Clemson and everybody else. North Carolina was sexy at the time. Hmm. The Big 10 has had uh, almost as much success, you could argue, as the SEC. Ohio State carrying that league, though, for the yeah. most part. Penn State's done well. Michigan's, Michigan's had, got a great brand. Michigan's brand, yeah. Um, you know, Wisconsin has done well. Yeah. Nebraska has a great brand. Um, but they were stable. Uh, but you're wondering, like, are there plays for teams? Like, what's going to happen? So what I love, I love our new commissioner, George Kleoff. Yeah, he's great. He visited yeah, us he visited the other us. day. Oh, cool. yeah, what he say? He's How super nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he wants us to do well. Like, obviously, he's... He said this is the first school he went to go speak with. Um, I mean, obviously this was before, you know, we let go of Coach Allen, but it was kind of like, you know, we, he was looking at us as like the team to make it to the playoffs out of the pack. Yeah. Um, he, just kind of the way like we, we structured our schedule, like the bye week before Notre Dame and totally. all that kind of like strategic stuff. But Yeah, no, and you guys still have as good Yeah, we still have a shot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but he came in and he's awesome. Like, and I, and I like him because he comes from um, – you know, he, he, was, he launched Hulu. Okay. He created the uh, Major League Baseball app, which is like the first time. I love that app. Yeah. That's one of the best. Everybody <laughs> copies like that? that app now. I love that app so much. <laughs> yeah. And so he was on the ground floor of that uh, in terms of people being able to watch games everywhere. And then he ran MGM Entertainment with, think of all the personalities in college football. Well, triple it. And now think of the personalities in Vegas, right? And the type of content that they're curating and creating. So his blend and savvy is so good with everything that's going on. Yeah. So to the point of the alliance, it calmed the waters and said, hey, you know what? These three leagues, uh, we're together. So we don't know what's going to happen with the Big 12. There might just be a power four. The SEC's kind of doing their thing with and not asking questions. We need to like be on the same page here. Yeah. 
And so that's really what it was, right? When it came out, there was no contract signed. There was nothing super official. But since it's happened, you've seen agreements made, whether it's... Um, the Big 12 trying to sign a few teams, right? Well, of course, the Big 12 is going to be back, like right? They're going to be like the Big East to a degree. Okay. I play, when I played, the Big East got raided. We lost Miami, we lost yeah. BC, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. and Syracuse yeah. overnight. Yeah. So we picked up like UConn, and we survived for a couple mm-hmm. years. No longer exists in college football. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens with the Big 12. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they remain as a Power 5. Uh, with that said, the Alliance, to me, now, perfect world. It won't happen for a while, but perfect world USC is playing one non-con against Notre Dame, mm-hmm. right? If you have currently you have nine conference games, you play 12. One is Notre Dame. One would be, let's call it Clemson, and it'll never happen in the same year, but let's just call it Ohio State or Michigan or something like wow. that. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's challenging. So in my eyes, because the ACC plays eight conference games, and that is a big deal, in my opinion, in college football, what if you dropped everybody's conference games to eight Played an ACC, a Big Ten team, played like San Jose State and yeah. Notre Dame, yeah. right? So I, I think that, that that can't happen overnight because there's so many scheduling deals that aren't going to get upended. That's why not a lot of contracts were signed. Okay, at least that's how I interpreted it. Uh, but it's gonna it's gonna have an agreement to say, hey, we're gonna play each other. Now, now stay with me on this, and then we're gonna all kind of be on the same page when the playoff expands. So nobody's just making a deal that. Like, to me, not having have a conference champ is like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. and we're all playing a different amount of conference games? Right. No, 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 no. Like, I, I project conference champs to get a lock okay. into the playoff. We'll see. That's going to come out in a couple weeks. It's like an 18 playoff stand. system, you're saying? Whatever it expands to. Okay. Six, eight, 12, 100, whatever. Yeah. Um, the con- I believe the conference champ will get in. So those three conferences will be aligned. And then... Um, I think on a, on a bunch of other issues, or whether it's social justice issues, whether it's uh, NIL, whatever the stances are, yeah. health and safety of players, like there's just an agreement that like, hey, we're going to kind of ride together. Okay. And, and I think that's really cool uh, for the future of college athletics is to just be in lockstep with some other major schools and major voices versus, hey, kind of, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then all of a sudden it pops up on ESPN's bottom line. And you're like, what the, <laughs> what just happened? So yeah. I, I love it. I'm really excited. And then for us, coolest part for the, well, not the coolest part, but a very intriguing part is that our media rights are fully owned by the league. So when those rights end in a couple of years, our contract's about to end. We're going to be able to sell USC football, UCLA football, Stanford, Oregon, and not just games against the non-cons that you have this year and next year, but against Clemson, yeah. Florida State, and Miami, and Pitt, and uh, Nebraska, and Ohio State, and Michigan. So now media rights. Huge. Big money. Yeah. yeah. Big, big money. And, and really cool exposure. Yeah. It's amazing, man. So I am, I'm really fired up. I, I pray. There's one soundbite I hope makes it out of this. I hope that I'm doing this for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Because I'm really excited about the next 10 to 15, 20 years in college football. So do we, too. I mean, I think the game yeah. is a lot better with you. Oh, thanks, man. Helm. <laughs> so, thank you, Yogi. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to you yeah. calling the game in a couple yeah. weeks' time. You'll yeah. be calling the game. Yeah, so uh, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Of course. Uh, I want to know, like, what is it yeah. like uh, for you as a player now? Your, your coach got let go. Yeah. You have an interim head coach that everybody seems to love. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Dante. Yeah. Uh, 
what's life like for you guys? Yeah. <laughs> Come back 45 Man, minutes or points. Practice, practice been legit. It has it's been. been legit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, OJ's practicing more than I am because of my ACL, so he could probably touch on that. Um, man, I wasn't even there when Coach Hutland told the team. That was like the one day I was out of meeting, so I was sick. But I just heard from other guys. Um, and no one knew, really. Like, we no, had no, like idea. no one really on the staff knew. Like, it was came out of nowhere. Like, not unprecedented, but like really never happens after two weeks. Um, and so no one really knew what was going on. And Dante came in and obviously he has a great relationship with all the, like he recruited a lot of the guys and a lot of the West coast guys. Um, his whole thing is just going back to the compete thing, but practices are a little different. So he tweaked them like Tuesday, Wednesdays are full pads. Yep. Um, he wants us to go as hard as possible early in the week. And then Thursday, Friday, we kind of like chill yeah. out. We go like just helmets on Thursdays. Yeah, tweak stuff. yeah. I feel like he's very solidly tried to plant his identity on the way things are being run now. Yeah. I've heard it before. Like the little things are, are taken notice of like, you know, if, if the you, locker room, logo yeah, yeah. Um, like he, yeah, he siphoned off like the logo. You can't step on it. Um, like if dudes miss class, like the tutoring, that's all like dudes are being called out in meetings, like held accountable for those kind of things. Um, so it's a little different, but I mean, look, like, I can, yeah, he's I, also because he's a positions coach as well. Like he's hands on during practice. Yeah, he re, he's out there with the cornerbacks, like running next to them, like putting his hands on him and stuff. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, it, this is a great opportunity for him because, I mean, whether you like it or not, now not only is this an audition for all the players for the next coach, but it's also an audition for him. Yeah, for a potential either whether he stays here or gets another gig somewhere else. I know at Miami, um, Larry Scott filled in for Al Golden and. I mean, we didn't. We weren't perfect, but we won a lot of games when he came in, and he ended up getting the head coaching gig at Howard, like mm-hmm. not shortly after. So it is a. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a great audition for him. I think great opportunity. It's it's weird. I've never been a part of something like that as a player. It's just like at first it was kind of awkward. It was, like, it was because like at first we we're like, uh, I mean, we didn't think this coaching staff would be here. I mean, yeah. technically, I guess they all could stay, and I love them, but I mean. We, we just didn't know, like, like how does this all work? Yes, like, yeah, the strength yeah. staff's not going to be here. Um, like, the only people who are going to be here are, like, the athletic trainers. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've just never been a part of anything like that. It was, it was kind of strange. Well, I think, I mean, Yogi, you, I think you've even told me before. It's like, if you're good in college, your coach is probably going to be gone. If you're bad in college, your coach is going <laughs> to be gonna, gone. Yeah. And I always, I, I'm not saying you guys are bad. I think you guys are awesome. It's one of my favorite schools. Um, but I also think... Um, you know, I, I tell like a lot of guys who are younger than me, I, t- I say be prepared for change. Because in college football, unless you're like one of three teams change right inevitable. now, there's four teams maybe. Yeah. There's change is inevitable, whether it's coordinators or the head coach. There's going to always yeah. be change. I mean, if you're at Alabama, though, he's leaving over here. That's true. <laughs> 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 right. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's early. It's only been one week, so... We'll see. I mean, I, I didn't travel to Pullman with those dudes, but I mean, to see them respond after that first half was, I thought it was pretty impressive. So hopefully it can carry on. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for, uh, I'm excited for Dante. Like, yeah. I just think about that. Like, but you know him though, like from, from before. Yeah. I've, I met him in 2009, maybe a little earlier than that. Oh, wow. And, uh, what man, was he at the time? He was at UW as a GA under Sark. And, uh, he was awesome. Same guy, mm-hmm. really. You know, would stay connected. Um, just busted his, you know, busted his tail in the yeah. profession. Like, yeah. 
telling class tonight in Felzer's class, Professor Felzer's class, that like he didn't have like um, you know dad who played in the league or was right. coaching somewhere or he didn't have some insane career. He feels like he's like one of us. Like, yeah. like, it's like he's I, I can relate with that guy when I watch him. Yeah. yeah. There's an authenticity <laughs> to it. I think guys can relate to. Yeah. yeah. I think he's going to thrive mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in his career. Does he get this job? I don't know. I hope he does. Yeah. That'd be because awesome. that means this is like, yeah. what a yeah. story for sure. Right. You know, Fairy uh, tale, right? I wish you the, I wish you guys the best. I'm glad that it's, I, I kept saying this on the radio when I got interviewed a bunch when Clay got let go. I said, at least to me, it didn't feel like it was a a culture that was fragmented. It didn't feel like it was a locker room that was separated. It didn't feel like guy there's infighting. Like they just made a change. Yeah, because they didn't. You know, the administration didn't like the trajectory of what they saw on the field. It wasn't like personal. Like this guy's bad, and we need a total makeover. No. Like, I think they wanted to tweak it. And I feel really bad for Clay and Angela and their family. Um, but I also am glad that Clay and Angela and their family and you guys don't have to deal with these questions every week. Yeah. Right. And now we get to go play. And the staff gets to go coach and just let's ride. And Clay was a rock star diffusing it, et cetera. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it... If it if you just felt it inherently every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how hard it was for Coach Houghton. Oh, my God. Totally. I mean, he, for, he for met, years, too. Yeah, always. Like, one of the best men I've been around in this sport. You know, I, I talked to him after uh, the next morning, and, you know, I said my piece to him, and he said, you know, um, what an honor it was to be the head coach at USC. Yeah. And he meant it, you know, like in every word of it. And... And Mike Bowen would say the same thing. Like, what a great human, you know, but they felt need for change and change has had. And I was really uh, happy that you guys found a way to win. I'm looking forward to Saturday will be challenging. And then I'll see you in a week in Boulder. Love it. Looking forward to it, Yogi. Thanks again for stopping by. I know it's it's getting real late, but where can everyone follow you? There it is, the end of the podcast question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's just at Yogi Roth on all of them. Okay. And... Yeah. And subscribe to the It Factory as well, YouTube. Yeah, subscribe all that. to the It Factory, YouTube, the whole deal. Yep. Um, I got some cool content coming out you guys will dig after the season. Love it. Uh, your audience awesome. might not care. It's a children's book. <laughs> okay. In case you have like a... I'll, I'll care. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, can't thank you enough and, and look forward to hopefully seeing you in Boulder. That'd be fun. Yes. He's got to come <laughs> take this thing to Venice, though. My son needs to see Hell this. Hell yeah. Thing. All right. Let's have Let's him on the pod. Yes. He's my producer on my pod. He knows how to do the lights and everything. Love it. Awesome. All, All right. right. Thanks, Yogi. Appreciate you. Yep. All right.